programming with more on-demand programs so you can listen when you want or download them at any time. Area 941 is just another reason why people say, I heard it on KPFA. You're still listening to Jack Foley and Nina Serrano on Open Book, Poet to Poet. And it's still part of our improvisation. Once a month we get together and do this show, and it's a great improv of poetry, song, literary commentary, and also a chance to share our work with each other and share it with you. And the sharing it with you is what really makes it the most fun. So we like to get feedback about this. Let's hope that improv improves. Right? <laughs> improves us, improves the show, and improves you too. But there's something I want to say here, um, because um, I just found this out. I got this from uh, Avacha, uh, this statement. I wanted to read this statement, because it's a lovely statement. Thank you, Avacha. Another KPFA person, another very active writer in the, uh, in the area here. Great person. But she had something to say about Nia, and I want to let you know what that was. This is what she wrote. Nina Serrano. Latina writer, radio host producer, writer, person of genius. I'm not sure that Nina knows how to write a bad line. When reading her work, I find myself between the urge to crunch through quickly and greedily or slowly let it melt for me. Her latest book is her first novel, Nicaragua Way, and we're going to hear a little about that. It's set in San Francisco and Managua in the 1980s during the Sandinista Revolution, the Contra War, and the Central American Solidarity Movement. She produces the KPFA programs, La Raza Chronicles, and Open Books. Open Book, excuse me, and she's right here on Open Book, and I think I see a novel on this little table here. And it, could that be Nicaragua Way? Yes, indeed. It's Nicaragua Way, my first novel written at 81. It was a 23-year-long project. Wow. I have to say there were some years where I just avoided it. So that was, <laughs> But that was part of the journey. Sure. That was part of the journey with yeah. the years that I cursed it, that it was in my life because I knew I had to finish it. So it was bothering me. Now you told me you were going to try to finish it before life finishes you. That's right. Yeah. And then after a while, it became TikTok time. Not like some of my friends that are going TikTok, TikTok. I have to have a baby. I have to have a baby. This was TikTok, TikTok. I have to finish that book before. I have to have a book. Yes, I have to have a book. And and I do. And one of the thrilling parts about this book and that I love so much about it is the cover. I always knew that the cover was going to be from Anthony Holdsworth's painting. Absolutely. Great painter and wonderful, wonderful man. Yes. And when he went to Nicaragua in the early 80s on an artist called Delegation that uh, our group, our solidarity group, Friends of Nicaraguan Culture, put together. And he came back with this painting of the Diriamba Festival, which is the reenactment of the first written play in Central America. Oh, wow. It was written in Nahuatl and, in, and then translated and transcribed into English by an American doctor who happened oh, to see it. Really? Before Spanish? Yes. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know when it got written into Spanish. Maybe it was with the revolution when there was interest in 1979 after the Sandinista revolution. There was interest in the cultural heritage of the country and Mm -hmm. the national patrimony. And so this play, uh, the Gueguense, which is what he what he's drawn a picture of, or rather what he's done an oil painting of, which is on the cover, uh, was it. And I, I would look at that image. It was on the walls at a gallery at New College of California in uh-huh. San Francisco where I taught a class. Mm-hmm. And so every week I would look at this painting yeah. in the early 80s. So, of course, it wasn't until 2002. 16 that the book was published and that became the painting the, cover, the painting yeah, he the, did covers for two of my books too yes and beautiful the, covers beautiful I mean, beautiful covers yeah. he paints among other things he paints everything he wants to paint but he paints light which I think is so beautiful. He said to me once when we were talking, we were having lunch, and he had to go off and paint en plein air, you know, the way he does out out in the streets of Oakland. He said, I've got a date with the sun. And he did have a date with the sun. Uh, He wanted to make sure that he got the sunlight in just the way he wanted because he wanted to paint right like that you know he brilliant brilliant man and yes it's it's a what i have not read it yet as we know um i haven't actually one of the extraordinary things about grief i mean i'm, I'm a person who reads all the time but one of the things about grief is that it settles over you like a fog and it doesn't allow you to do the things you usually do I, after my wife's death i wasn't reading i wasn't listening to music i wasn't watching tv i was writing it's the only thing that i could do but i wasn't reading anybody else's writing so i've not yet read it though it's on the top of my list and we're going to do a show about it at some point soon but um let's hear some of it i'd like to hear some myself okay i'll i'll give you just the smallest taste and then i'll tell you about the reading i'm having on august 14th that's sunday sunday at four o'clock where is that at modern times bookstore on 24th street the cultural corridor of the mission district wonderful wonderful yeah. let's let's repeat that after you've given them this little taste because they'll want to come okay so uh let's see it's so hard to pick out what but i'm going to pick out something about the mission district in san francisco and uh the protagonist of the book is lorna Uh, a single mother searching for her roots, raising a daughter, falling in love while facing deaths, griefs, intrigues, revolutions, her fear of menopause, emptiness, blues, and aging. And through it all, she writes poems. That's called life. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So this is called Lonely Night, Chapter 3. Lorna drove back to her flat as the streetlights came on. Eddie had stayed at El Chipote to help the compas with the paper. I'll stop here to tell you that El Chipote was the headquarters in the mission where the Sandinistas were fermenting their revolution, and the paper is their newspaper written by refugees and exiles. Mm-hmm. Back to the book. Lorna recalled how she had missed her home at the top of Hill Street during her year in Spain. It was a magical spot, with views out to the city in three directions. Lorna had found the apartment when the neighborhood was unfashionable. Actually, it still was, although gentrification in Noe Valley was starting to creep up the hill. 
she parked, banking the front wheels sharply against the curb to prevent rolling on the steep slope and got out and stretched. The block was lined with bottle brush trees and their cylindrical fuzzy red flowers. Purple vulcanvillas and late roses tangled over the front yard walls. It was a street of solid Victorian houses. A few were grand, with three stories and round towers projecting toward upward from the corners. Most of them were modest, one-story Victorians, with windowed bays looking out on the street and their small front yards filled with euphorbia and rosemary. Lorna had always wanted a round room. Down the hill, she heard the clang of the nearby J. Church streetcar. She opened the door to the building and was climbing the stairs when the phone rang inside the flat. Pushing open the apartment door, she rushed in to answer it, thinking it might be Rini, her daughter. So, you'll read find out. Read a little out. more. Read a little more. Keep it coming. I, I was enjoying that, and I okay. want you to stop. Okay. It was Eddie. Now, I have to stop and tell you about Eddie. Okay. Uh, Eddie is a uh, a co-worker of hers, a longtime political ally, and he uh, does silkscreen, movement silkscreen posters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he is trying to recruit her into the Sandinista, revolutionary ah. Sandinista movement. She's reluctant because she doesn't like violence. Yes, yes. There was a lot of good reason not to like yes, violence. Yes, It was Eddie. So, are you going to do it? Eddie, for God's sake, I just saw you ten minutes ago. Give me a break. Let me think about this. Don't think about it, Lorna. Just follow your heart. Right now, my heart is missing Rini, said Lorna. You'll get over that, Lorna. Goodbye, Eddie, Lorna said pointedly. She set down the receiver in its cradle, and within a second, the phone rang again. Stop, Eddie, please, she snapped. I told you I wanted some time to think. Hi, Mom, Rini chirped. Hey, <laughs> what's going on? Think about what? Rini, I was just telling Eddie how much I miss you. Eddie, why are you bothering him with, with him, Mom? Don't start that again, said Lorna. Rini didn't like him. No matter how many times Lorna had explained how Eddie had encouraged her with her poetry, involved her in the Latino arts world, and designed covers for her book, Rini still resented him. You know he's important to me, Rini, Lorna said carefully. No, Mom, Eddie's important to Eddie, said Lorna, said Rini, sorry. Please, Rini, let's not go through all that Eddie stuff again. Okay, okay, Mom. Look, please do me a favor, will you? Can you look for my old freedom and independence for Vietnam t-shirt? <laughs> I noticed, I, I saw a notice for a campus meeting in two weeks, and they want me to raise funds for a hospital in Vietnam to compensate for war damages. And if you find it, can you mail it to me? I want to wear it for the meeting. Okay, I start work tomorrow. Can you take the bus up this weekend? I need to talk to you. Something's come up. Something Eddie wants me to do, and I don't want to discuss it on the phone. Mom, stop this mysterious talk. You're starting to sound like Eddie. 
Anyway, somebody wants to use this phone, and I'm on the pay phone down the hall in the dorm. Be sure when you call to let it ring at least 12 times because it takes a while for someone to answer it. Good luck back on the job. I got to go now. Will I see you next weekend? Yes, I'll take the bus up. She hung up the phone, and the apartment seemed suddenly very quiet. <laughs> Wonderful. And we can get more of that at Modern Times Bookstore. Yes, or you can order the book. You can order the book, yes. Yeah. So how do you do that? Oh, that's easy. You could go to my website, ninaserrano.com, N-I-N-A-S-E-R-R-A-M-O, or better yet, go to the nicaragua.com website where you can get the book directly or go to amazon.com and you can order the book and you can also get it as an ebook and right now i'm in the process of making an audio book of it for people with long commutes or who are tired Excellent. of reading yeah people are doing that yeah quite a few some wonderful wonderful audio um, productions have happened i mean i go way back to old radio I remember that happening on old radio. <laughs> I remember reading old whole books here on KPFA. Back in the audience. day, yes, Back yes. Eric, hooray for Eric Barisfeld, who yes. led that charge. Yes. Yes, things changed, but you, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose sometimes. So that reading is going to be at Modern Times Bookstore. And where is that? On 24th Street in San Francisco. You get off at BART and walk down the cultural corridor, past all the great restaurants, bookstores, etc., until you come to Modern Times Bookstore. And it's going to be at four in the afternoon, which mm -hmm. is quite wonderful because uh, I've given up driving at night. So, so yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, driving at night can be very problematical, especially for us older folk. Um, we was, we, we've been talking a little bit politically. That's a wonderful book which mixes the personal with the political, which is something we do at KPFA all the time. Um, but, um, I have a couple of more things that I did with, um, my dear friend, Helen Wendy Lou. And we're going to, uh, listen to those. One of them, somebody asked me, genuinely asked me to write an incendiary political poem. And I thought, I can do that. And so I did, and we'll see what I did with that. And then there's another poem that I wrote uh, in response to someone else's. And in both of these cases, I'm being joined again by Helen Wendy Lou. This is the second CD. Signs of the Times. There are some men. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Who wish to pursue inaction. There are women who wish to return to the hearth. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. There are men who hate, who wish to stir up minorities against minorities. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. There are men who wish to build walls, to divide countries and peoples from one another. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose. But your chains. Oppression is so lonely. Oppression is darker than the darkest alleyway at dusk as the sun fades. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Oppression isolates us from our deepest impulses. Oppression opens the door to the dead who come flocking in to take the jobs and the women of the living. Workers of the world unite. 
You have nothing to lose but your chains. The white policeman is oppressed. The black man he murders is oppressed and dead. Drug dealers are oppressed. Lawyers oppressed. Girls oppressed. Women oppressed. Boys oppressed. LGBT oppressed. The sleepy man who opens the door to the great hotel oppressed. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. They lie on the streets. They are mourned by their mothers. Oppression is dense. Oppression is deep as water world. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Oppression is the drug of the rich. Oppression is the sexual expression of the rich. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. You don't have to be rich to be an oppressor. You don't have to be white to be an oppressor. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. The man who takes his hand to his woman oppresses. The woman who cheats to maintain her job oppresses. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. The university professor knows it. The janitor of your building knows it. The woman selling creplock at the grocery store knows it. Actors in a successful TV series are oppressed. Listen to their interviews. The news is oppressed. Pop stars are oppressed. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Oppression is lonely. It unites with nothing. Oppression is weary, ready to fall to the sidewalk as it stumbles with worn-out shoes on the hard pavement. What is there to lose? Nothing. What is there to change? Everything. Blow, Blow up everything! everything. Workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. This poem by Joseph Reich was sent to me by a friend. Reich called the poem Life and Times of the Tree Frog. All that tranquil quiet and silence before the big storm. If we could only get mankind down to that baseline. Like, after the circus leaves town, the life and times of the jack-o'-lantern and mini-tree frog, perched on top, looking all around. I answered with a writing between the lines, which you're going to hear sung by Helen Wendy Lou. All that tranquil quiet and silence before the big storm. The circus has left town. If we can only get mankind down to that baseline. My girlfriend married another guy. Like after the circus leaves town, the life and times. My old dog died. Of the jack-o'-lantern and mini tree frog. I look up and even the leaves are still. Perched on top, looking all around. They say it'll rain soon. You just heard Jack Foley and Helen Wu working. Helen Wendy Lou. Helen Wendy Lou 
working and creating from his latest poem. I want to go back to the revolution poem. Yeah. Uh, read me the last line of that poem again, please. Well, the last lines are workers of the world unite. Uh, but uh, No, the last, last line is the one about blow it up. No, no, that's that's before the, the poem actually ends with workers of the world unite. Okay, but the, la- the but line the, yes, before blow it? up everything. What what is there to lose? Nothing. What is there to change? Everything. Blow up everything. I I take exception to that. <laughs> so do I. Actually, I, this is not this is not meant as advice, as political advice. What it's meant as is the feeling that oppressive oppression is so widespread everywhere that it makes you feel you have to just blow up the whole world, blow up everything. Now I don't. I'm not telling you to get a bomb and go out and blow something up. That's exactly not what I'm telling you. But that's why I didn't end it there. That feeling is behind what happens in an oppressive society when the society oppresses you on all levels and in every possible respect. What you want to do is just to blow it all up. But of course you don't want to do that, literally. And that feeling, though, may lead you back to workers of the world unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains. You see what I mean? It, it, this was not meant as advice for something for yes, people to do. Yes. Yeah. And I should make that very clear. <laughs> I think I think you should rework, if I may, I think you should rework just the very end there because to make that separation between where you are recommending and where you're not recommending. Because... Uh, this subject of revolution is something I've been participating and and thinking about and traveling to and experiencing for much of my life, starting in 1957 when I traveled to the Soviet Union mm-hmm. and uh, to China that had just eight years earlier had its revolution, and then then many times to Cuba, and then to be in on the be part of the ground floor around mm-hmm. the organizing of the Sandinista revolution and it it was a very terrible thing for the Nicaraguan people for example uh, to almost in every household in the country that to have lost family members absolutely in this yeah, terrible. terrible struggle terrible. Yeah. and so after the Nicaraguan revolution uh, Fidel Castro, uh, in the er- early 90s, had said he thought that the time for national liberation struggles was over and that, uh, that violent revolutions was no longer going to be the path. He, who himself led a very a violent revolution, violent revolution beginning when he was 26 years old. He also didn't want somebody to lead one against him. <laughs> that also, I want. Oh, and um, maybe this is a good time to say that uh, it's going to be Fidel's birthday, his ninetieth birthday, this Saturday, July thirteenth. Mm-hmm. So that's why the the idea of blowing everything up uh, is is just too simple an idea, and I I do see it and hear it in in the. Uh, 
in the in the rhetoric of people thinking about revolution and even for example i felt like you were in part describing when you when you were explaining what the trump people feel they feel all this despair of oppression That's one of the appeals absolutely yes. no question about that but remember i repeat the word everything what needs change everything yes i love that line okay but there's much up. in this no, no but, but but then blow up everything that it's a repeat repeat that i repeat that word everything if everything needs change Blow up everything. But then, workers of the world unite that you have nothing to lose but your chains. So it goes back to something that's echoed throughout the poem. So, um, anyway, you may be right. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're, you're wrong. Um, but that's the way the poem came to me. And I can't emotionally imagine it in a different way. I'd have to reimagine the whole poem. Because what it leads to is an, an explosion of a feeling that oppression it seems to me leads to that that oppression pressing down upon people etc leads to a response of i want it all to go and it's not just political i mean the yates um had a line where there is nothing there is god i mean there is a, an apocalyptic element to a lot of thinking about the world that comes from a situation which is oppressive because you feel oppression in every direction what can you do about it? What can you do about it? You know, if you now I, I agree that it's a simple-minded solution, and I certainly don't advocate carrying a bomb. But at the same time, um, I think the feeling is understandable. Yes, which brings me back to your poem, Politics 2016. Mm-hmm. I would like us at this moment. To read that poem again. Want to do it again? All yes, right. I do, because I think it's so germane to what we're discussing. Okay. We'll be happy to do that. Um, we have just a little time left, probably just enough time to do the poem. All right. <coughs> Politics 2016. This is the lesser of two evils. This is the lesser of two evils. This is the greater of two evils. This is the greater of two evils. These are both evils. These are both evils. There is no good here. There is no good here. Nothing is good about either of these. Nothing is good about either of these. Two evils. Two evils. Vote for Punch. Vote for Punch. Vote for Judy. Vote for Judy. Does it matter? Some say yes. Does it matter? Some say yes. Some say no. Some say no. Judy is the lesser of two evils? Judy is the lesser of two evils? Is she? Is she? Punch is the greater of two evils? Punch is the greater of two evils? Is he? Is he? There is no good here. There is no good here. There is evil. There is evil. The great evil. The great evil. To vote. To vote for the lesser. 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 Of two. Of two evils. Let's sing the song of the lesser Let's of two. Let's sing the song of the lesser Let's of sing two. The song of the lesser of two. Let's, Let's sing, sing the song of the lesser of two. Let's sing the song of the lesser of two. two. 
That's the poem by Jack Foley, <laughs> and it sure felt good to read it a second time. It did, but it isn't the coffin that carries you off. It's the coffin they carry you off in. As my father used to say, sorry for the cough. Couldn't disguise it. We do what we can. But we're running down uh, in our time. It's just about re- almost time for us to say bye again. <laughs> Excuse me again. Just about time for us to say goodbye to our listeners. Is there, I don't think there's quite time for even another poem. We've got our, our music coming. So thank you all for listening. This is Jack Foley. And this has been Nina Serrano. And we'll be back again in a month. We'll be back separately for the rest of this month, but we'll be back together in a month. from a local station board candidate. The views expressed are not those of KPFA management or staff. I'm Carol Travis, running for re-election to the KPFA local station board. KPFA is a treasured asset providing hard news of the world, the nation, our local communities, and all of our growing movements. Deep talk about policy, strategy, history, a full range of music programming, and so much more. I'm a safe KPFA candidate committed to doing just that, and hopefully Pacifica. I'm for a reform Pacifica structure to make it smaller with clear lines of authority. I'm a retired UAW local union president, a prison attorney, a former Chicago resident, and currently chair of KPFA's LSB. Help us keep KPFA and Pacifica alive for this pivotal period of world history. Vote Carol Travis and the full safe KPFA slate. For more information, go to elections.pacific.